Chaz Surratt is now two years gone. Jeremiah Gimmel's not in Chapel Hill anymore. And Gene Chizik brings a brand new defensive scheme to Carolina. So what does the linebacking core look like this year? You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, August 22nd, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so please go ahead and subscribe right now. For those of you watching, also smash that like button button so that you don't miss a second of your team every day and you know what it's here it's finally here it's game week and so we got a lot to talk about uh, great stuff coming up later in the week on Friday's show when we do a game preview former Carolina quarterback Bryn Renner is joining me to break down who's going to be the quarterback and, and what to look forward to that's going to be incredible but we start today with the linebackers uh, because this is a really interesting position for this season. Uh, first off, depending on when you're checking in on, on Monday or later in the week, the depth chart is probably already out for week one, unless you're one of those early get-after-it people like me who likes to get your podcast first thing in the day, and then uh, you don't know either. But, but as of recording, we don't yet know the full depth chart. So I uh, just want to unpack what we do know at this point about the line backing group. So Gene Chizik brings with him a brand new, not brand new to him, but new for Carolina this year, defensive scheme. And so we move now to a 4-2-5. And so um, basically what that means is that Coach Chizik's um, secondary includes a fifth defensive back, which he calls the star. It's essentially a nickelback um, that uh, lines up typically in the slot and providing all sorts of help with things. Also, unlike what we would have seen under Coach Bateman, defensive ends are now defensive ends. It's the craziest thing. Imagine that. So, essentially what that means is there's no more linebacker defensive end hybrid for guys like Des Evans and Cayman Rucker, right? So last year, if you look back at the 21 roster, both of those guys would have been listed as linebackers. But Des Evans, for example, is is a pure defensive end. That's where his home is. And so now, if you look at the roster for 22, you see both of those guys, Evans and Rucker, listed as defensive linemen where they will be able to uh, line up on the edge and do what they do. So all of that then means that with those five cornerbacks, or excuse me, five uh, people in the in the secondary, two cornerbacks, two safeties in the star, you've got your four guys on the line. That just leaves two linebackers. So um, with with that constant nickel package, um, the these two linebackers are providing essentially a lot of a lot more run support and a lot less having to drop into coverage. You've got constantly six dudes up in the box, but you've also got five guys in pass coverage, and so um, just not as much of that required from just these two linebackers. 
One of the truths is that, unfortunately, Carolina is a little bit thin at the linebacker position this year. And so that that's going to mean that as we go through the season, injuries are a big concern. You, you lose somebody um, for a, a couple games or a season, and you're in a bit of trouble there. And, and even week-to-week things like targeting ejections are a huge concern. You, you lose somebody, uh, you're kind of stuck a little bit. So Carolina's going to have to really protect these guys. But, you know, I mean, they gotta, they got to do work. they got to be dudes. And so um, that is a concern. But at the same time, even though the Tar Heels are thin at linebacker, they're, they're talented, and you only need two at a time. So thin, yes, but it's an area of not much need in terms of sheer numbers. Plus, as I just alluded to, the the two projected starters are very talented in Cedric Gray and Power Eccles. And so that is really exciting. And plus, again, so you just need two to be starters and then just two more, you got four and you're too deep at the position. That is encouraging. Now, the Tar Heels do have a couple key losses. Ethan West has medically retired from football. Eugene Asante, who, you know, coming into last season, was expected to basically step in alongside Jeremiah Gemmel and and be the other starter. But third game in, um, and Cedric Gray has taken over that role, and Asante ultimately transferred to Auburn. And so... um, you know what? Gray took his job and that was that. So let's look at these key players just a little bit more and then we'll look at a few of who we expect to be the backups and then keep going from there. So uh, the the key players, the the returner, the main big dog, uh, the projected starting Sam or strong side linebacker will be Cedric Gray. Uh, junior 6'2", 230, love it. Um, Coming in, led led the team in tackles last year. Had the only one, the only target to get to triple digits in tackles last year. 100 on the button with 53 of them being solo. And so once he took over for Asante, he just held on to that starting job with a firm grip. And now as a junior, he is going to be, you know, one, one of the dudes, one of the guys really expected on, not just in the linebacking group, but, but on defense to uh, help anchor things in a big way like Surratt and Gemmel before him. The the projected starting Mike linebacker or middle linebacker is going to be Power Eccles, um, sophomore, uh, just shy, just over six foot tall, 225. Um, He's going to join Gray. Really expect these two guys to not only be the main, the, the starting two linebackers, but to just have big years for the Tar Heels um, being part of that interior of Gene Chizik's defense. Um, keep in mind, Eccles was a true freshman last season, so he's a true sophomore now. But, I mean, this dude is just... Uh, power is a very apt name for him. Just loves to hit people, and in he's filthy. And I mean that in the best way I possibly can, that I can't wait to see that. Because you've got all the... Um, football IQ mental capacity of what Cedric Gray brings to the game, just being a really thoughtful linebacker mixed with Power Eccles uh, power. And it, gosh, I just said power twice. Power Eccles power. Ugh. And it should be 
a phenomenal way that these two young men really complement one another. Now, backups, going back to the end of spring practice, Coach Gene Chizik really emphasized, I want to have 22 guys. I legit want to be too deep across the board. And so we hadn't seen much use of backups uh, at the linebacker position in recent years. But it sounds like he is committed to doing that. And so number three on the chart right behind those two starters for me is Ra-Ra Dilworth. Just stupid fast. Maybe the fastest guy on the team. I, I, I don't know if I can say that with what level of certainty. But like I, I believe he is in that category of fastest on the team. And so you've got the power of Power Eccles, the football IQ of Cedric Gray, and then just the just flat out speed of Ra Ra Dilworth. You're not going to be able to keep him off the field. So I'm really curious to see how Coach Chiswick unleashes him and lets him go. And then honestly, it's looking like the next two guys on the depth chart are going to be true freshmen in Sebastian Cheeks and Deuce Caldwell. Uh, just because of not meeting needing many linebackers, uh, assuming you don't have injuries or other thing, I, I think it's really going to be a combination of Gray and Eccles and Dilworth being your three main in the rotation. But I wouldn't be uh, surprised to see Cheeks and Caldwell really in that mix. If we're legit going too deep, it's going to be the, those top three, and then either Cheeks or Caldwell will get ultimately uh, filtered out. And so really, you know, we're solidified on the starters and then it's, man, who, who really are those backups? But I, I'm particularly excited to see what Dilworth brings to the table this season. Now, uh, these linebackers are going to be doing everything they can to get after the quarterback and stop the run. And uh, man, really interesting conversation for quarterback. As of the time of this recording, we still don't know who the starter is for week one. We're going to talk about that in a second after I tell you about Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. There's also reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, esports, combat sports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info, from live in game betting to scores and podcasts, they've got you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet Online, where the game starts. Quarterbacks, yep, we're still talking about quarterbacks. Why? Because, similar to the depth chart, as of this recording, we still don't know who's going to start against Florida A&M on Saturday. Will it be Jacoby Criswell? Will it be Drake May? We don't firmly know. Now, depending on when you are uh, listening or watching this, uh, you might know it. We're expecting to hear word from Coach Brown on Monday about that. And and that's fine. Uh, if you already know who it is and you're checking in, that's not even why I want to talk about this right now. I'm not worried about that today, who's going to be the starter. What I want to unpack today is why I believe it's taken so long and what the implications of waiting to make that decision are. First off, the most important thing is I think this means that neither quarterback has separated himself from the other. Now, sometimes when we say that, we mean 
neither quarterback has done much. To the contrary, in this situation, I think it's that both quarterbacks have done a lot. Both quarterbacks have risen to the occasion. Both quarterbacks have have gone toe-to-toe with each other, iron sharpening iron. And so neither has separated himself in a way of meaning, man, they're both killing it and giving um, Coach Longo, giving Coach Brown a really difficult time making a decision. Remember, when Sam Howe was named starter in 2019, it was two weeks out, and that decision uh, to, to name him QB1 felt definitive. Here we are, game week, and we just don't even know. So, here's what this is leading me to now. Because of the reality of having not yet named a starter two weeks out, or you know whatever it may have been, I'm beginning to wonder, to ponder... If we legitimately will see a good bit of playing time from both quarterbacks in the first three games of the season, or until one of them over the course of those games does really begin to separate himself, or God forbid one of them gets injured. And I don't mean this in a two quarterback sort of way where we're legitimately all season going to see two quarterbacks. I mean it in a way that I think the quarterback battle is essentially going to be extended into the non-conference portion of the season. It seems to be playing out that way. Because then what you do is you have these first three games, Florida A&M, at App State, um, and then at Georgia State leading up to Notre Dame. So I think you you really, maybe maybe they're going to see what they've got for these first three games or so. And then leading into Notre Dame, huge game at home. Maybe then you name a starter. Or maybe the next week, October 1st against uh, Virginia Tech, you name a starter as you begin ACC play. So I, I legitimately now am starting to think that we might see both Chriswell and May get a lot of time early helping ultimately make this decision as we extend the quarterback battle. Now, what are the implications of potentially doing what I've just suggested might be happening? I can see it going one of two ways. Number one, something that we see sometimes is when there's a high-level quarterback battle, whoever loses out decides to transfer. Um, in, in this day and age, that would mean entering the transfer portal. And, and we've seen that happen mid-season. The, the most memorable one for me is in 2018 when um, at, at Clemson, when Kelly Bryant had been the starter for the past two years, and he was replaced by some freshman kid that year named Trevor Lawrence or something like that. I don't know. You might have heard of him. <laughs> but to do what Kelly Bryant did that year makes zero sense to me. And here's why. Just like the vice president is, people say that the vice president is a heartbeat away from the presidency. The same would be true. Let's say Jacoby Criswell wins out this quarterback battle. If you're Drake May, again, God forbid an injury to Criswell, but then you're the starter. And if if we've got a, a Drew, Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady situation, you're golden. Um, so So who knows what could happen there? And so I don't, I wouldn't expect a midseason transfer, but I've seen I've seen it happen, um, or a midseason declaration of transfer. What I would expect to happen 
if if one of the two of them, the one that loses out, is going to transfer, what I would expect to happen is that you ride out the season, and then when we get into December and the regular season's over, and you're thinking about an, a January early enrollee kind of situation, that's when you declare your intention, at least publicly, to transfer and get in the transfer portal. And um, that is more likely what I would see to happen for whoever loses out. But you, you just never know. In this day and age, who knows what NIL money could do even for a backup quarterback at a place like North Carolina, right? And so um, I, I don't want to assume that one of these guys is going to leave that doesn't get the job. We're just going to have to wait and see. So all of this to say this. When you know who QB1 is, who the starter is for this week, for week zero against Florida A&M, Hear what I'm saying there for this week. Don't take that as a season-long commitment from Mac Brown. Take that as a week one commitment to start the game. <laughs> Remember, it's Florida A&M. If there were that level of separation to where the week one commitment was a season-long commitment, we'd have already known the answer. We'd already know who it is. But we don't, and so it's not a season-long commitment that I, as far as I'm concerned. You with me? Let me know. Let me know in the comments for those of you watching. Speaking of Florida A&M, what can we expect from the Tar Heels this week against them? And what is it going to teach us about the 2022 season? Let's talk about just that very thing after I tell you about something cool going on with Locked On. The Ultimate College Football Preview. The Ultimate College Football Preview is here. Now it's a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. So search for the Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. So, game week, Florida A&M, and here's what I want to do to wrap up today's show. I want to caution us all, everyone listening, everyone watching, myself, experts, insiders, families, whoever, here's a caution. Do not read too much into anything that happens this weekend against Florida A&M. Why not? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. First off, this is an FCS school. Now, Obviously, FCS schools have beaten FBS schools before. In basketball, Division II schools have beaten Division I schools before. Chaminade beat Ralph Sampson in Virginia, for crying out loud. However, this should, should be a blowout. It's playing an FCS opponent right here at the beginning of the season is, is akin to um, a, a college basketball team playing their exhibition game before they start into the regular season. That That's what this should be. So number one, don't put don't put too much stock into what happens this coming Saturday because Florida A&M is an FCS school. Number two, don't put too much stock into this game this weekend because the Tar Heels probably aren't going to put very much on film on either side of the ball or on special teams. You're not going to see any trick plays. You're not going to see, you know, rolling out exotic blitzes, which... <laughs> Doesn't sound like, you know, it's going to be much of a thing from Coach Chizik anyway. Or We're just not going to see much of that. Very vanilla, looking to just execute baseline stuff. Because when you're a more talented football team, you should be able to win just by executing at a high level your base package stuff. 
Remember, for the defense, the two words are fundamentals and communication. That's what we're looking for in week one. Just run our playbook at a very base level. Excuse me, I said week one. This is week zero. Uh, run our plays at a very base level, but communicate well and execute our fundamentals at a high level. Why else is Carolina not going to put much on film? Because of all the question marks surrounding the team. Now, that, that's true for the, the Carolina family, right? We, we all know that there are a bunch of question marks, but you know who else is very aware of all the question marks surrounding the Tar Heels? Opponents, opposing coaching staffs, opposing, uh, opposing players that the Tar Heels will play this season. So you don't want to put much on film because they opponents want to know, what's Gene Chizik up to? We don't want to show you. They want to know what, what Drake May and or Jacoby Criswell bring to the table. We don't want to let you know everything in the bag. Is the O-line going to hold up? Maybe. That's not for you to know yet. You'll have to wait until you play us. Will someone, for the love of everything holy, help out Josh Downs? I don't know. We'll see. We're not going to put too much of that on film this week so that you don't know. Who emerges to lead the running backs? Hmm. We'll probably shuffle stuff around this week so that, uh, you know, you're going to be left guessing. The less you put on film this week, the less Appalachian State is ready for next week when Carolina travels to Boone. The less you put on film now, the less that new Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman is ready for when the Irish come to town. You get what I'm getting at? Not going to see much this weekend. That's why you shouldn't put too much stock into what happens against Florida A&M. How about another reason? The Tar Heels are probably going to try stuff. I know I said you just want to execute at a, at a fundamental base foundational level. But why not try out some, some plays or packages or um, personnel combinations you've been tinkering with just to see what you have, to see what happens when, when you roll some of those things out. Now, you're not going to be able to execute them against Miami or Notre Dame the same way you would against Florida A&M, but you can see the building blocks of what works and what doesn't. When you've got a keen coaching eye that's been doing it for decades, you know, right? You know what I mean? So that's something. Here's another reason not to take too much, put too much stock into what happens against Florida A&M. There's going to be a lot of giving players opportunities. You, you want to see what your expected starters bring to the table, especially those who are new starters. This year, like Power Eccles, who we talked about with the linebackers. Because there's nothing like playing against an actual opponent. These guys are sick and tired of going against each other, and they want to play somebody new. But you want to see what that's like for everybody. Is there something that Ra-Ra Dilworth does that takes him up and above one of the other two linebackers? You wouldn't have thought so last year. You would have thought Eugene Nasante had a grip on it. Nope, he didn't. We're going to have some of those surprises, and you only learn that when the lights come on on Saturday night. So players are going to have opportunities to prove themselves. And if Carolina can get a big lead early, you're going to get a lot of that. So don't put too much stock in what happens against Florida A&M. You're hearing me, right? There, there's more I could say. I, I could give you more examples of why not to take much, much uh, out of this. But you get the point already, right? You're going to be frustrated with some things Saturday. You're going to scratch your head at some things. You're going to love some things. You're going to think Gene Chizik is awesome sometimes on Saturday. You're going to think his defense is terrible sometimes on Saturday. It's just you're trying all this stuff against an inferior opponent. The bottom line is this. 
I know it's the first game of the season, and you've been waiting. We've all been waiting. I've been waiting. And it's finally here, and we're going to all want to scrutinize and pick apart every last little thing that happens. But it's Florida A&M, with all due respect to their football program. We, we want to scrutinize all these things. Just don't. Just don't yet. Just enjoy Saturday's game. Why? Why should we wait? Well, because next week at Appalachian State, we're going to learn some things then that we can take away and start to see as real things. Second road game in a row the next week at Georgia State, we're going to learn even more there. Same against Notre Dame two weeks later after the off week. And then the story of this 2022 season will keep unfolding week after week after week as we learn more. But we're not going to learn too much this week. As I said earlier, even once a quarterback is named, don't take that as gospel truth for the whole season. If you see some secondary receiver rise up, it might be the leading secondary receiver to Josh Downs this season, but it might just be somebody who has a big day against the FCS team. You know what I mean? It's kind of like fantasy football players out there. Somebody blows up week one that you never expected. Sometimes it means something, but sometimes it's just like the anomaly of one week of fantasy football. So, enjoy this weekend, but take it with a grain of salt. You hear me? You with me? Perfect. That is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up this week, as I said, on Friday's show, Bryn Renner's going to join me to prep us for this Florida A&M game to talk about what's going on with the quarterbacks. Uh, on Wednesday, Coach Pat Kilby and I are going to talk about Leaky Black. I can't wait for that. So grateful for you hanging out with me, joining me today. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show. Smash the like button. Leave some comments uh, about your excitement for this football season. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHeels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen today. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. So glad you tuned in on a Monday of game week to hang out with me. Great stuff coming all week. And I want to remind you that each and every day is a great day to be a target. Until tomorrow, peace!